0: Every time we have to record these intros and outros, all I hear is this little voice that from Zoom that says recording in progress. And then I immediately shut up because I know T is gonna completely blackmail me with it.
1: It's the life of a star, Nathan. You have to this comes with a fame. It's like the paparazzi that must follow you around at this point. <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to something just a bit different for the admissions director's lunchcast. I'm your host Nathan Ament, vice president of enrollment management at Loyola University New Orleans, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Tej Matil, director of enrollment success at Enroll ML. Tiege, how are you? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I can't. No, nope, not nothing, Tigi. Anyway, I'm great today since we are changing things up from our normal format. Not only are we once again bringing you a sponsored episode, I would say we're bringing our listeners a bit of breaking news. Today with the folks at College Vine, we're going to dig in deep to some of the changes coming to Student Search and what admissions directors need to be thinking about literally right now.
2: Yes, right now. Breaking developments indeed. I'm particularly excited about a tool we're going to ask the folks at College Vine about the impact calculator that will allow our listeners
0: to get a very real sense of the
2: impact of the changes coming our way.
0: Right, and these changes are real. We can all see them coming, and we all need to get ready for them. Of course, we always say that we don't have all the answers ourselves, so who do we have helping us out throughout this topic this week?
2: That's right, Nathan. This
0: week, we'll be talking with
2: Vinay Bascara, co-founder and chief strategy officer at College Vine, and Jonathan Wehner, Vice President and Dean of Admissions at Cleveland State University. While we will hear about their specific services closer to the end, we're going to start with a genuinely eye-opening discussion about what's about to change in our profession. So, our limited edition partner series this week features Collegevine, the recruiting network for colleges. Their services help colleges build meaningful connections with millions of students looking to attend the right institution for them. As the largest professional network of high school students and colleges, CollegeVine has reimagined student recruiting. Their transparent recruiting process centered around meaningful connections between students and schools will help enable you to connect with the right match students who want to be recruited. Their unique process will allow you to get to know the whole student, drive affinity, and nurture your audience through one-on-one engagement that can't be replicated. To learn more after this discussion, contact Vinay Bascara, co-founder and chief strategy officer at CollegeVine, at Vinay at collegevine.com.
0: All right, Tiki, I'm really excited to get going. So let's get started. Well, Tiki, this is going to be a really interesting discussion You and I have been having this discussion, actually, with the folks at College Vine offline for a couple of weeks now, and I must say I will own it, and I believe I owned it in the interviews, that it came really much as a surprise to me, and my head was spinning when the folks at College Vine first told me about it.
2: Yes, I mean, this really is such a big change in how we all find students and make the introduction, especially for those of us at colleges that need to make an introduction to students unprompted. Um, I, I'm still even after the interview with both Vinay and Jonathan still trying to wrap my head around a little bit of the the implications the more I think about it the more I see just tales of impact uh, in in every corner of the admissions office
0: yeah I don't want to spoil it too much here for our listeners and what and who will be impacted and which student populations will this will feel the most but I think of the at the At the very least, um, if you are in charge of searching your office, and if you're an admissions director listening to this, you might not be. Your VP might handle that. Your marketing office might handle that. Um, But this is something that is going to be very specific about the names that you purchase, um, how they're coming or might not be coming from College Board, how they might be qualified, and really just the sheer volume that is probably not going to be coming here in the next couple of years, right, Teach?
2: Yeah, that's right. And I don't want to spoil it either, but I will say if you are listening from the states of Kentucky or Arkansas, don't stop. Listen all the way through because of the impacts. Uh, You know, Vinay goes into the regional impacts of the the changes coming to College Board. And then we project a little bit about what might happen with the other name or lead sources that we're used to using for search. But this is just it's it's such a disruption. It's such a a big deal. And I'm really impressed with the folks at College Vine, not only for seeing it coming, but for being just ahead of the curve at helping colleges figure out what to do. They've created the impact tool. They were quoted all over Eric Hoover's article about this in in the Chronicle. As you said, they've been talking to us about it for for quite some time, although they were kind enough to wait until after May 1 to drop this episode <laughs> of the Lunchcast so that admissions directors can just take finish 2023 or at least get to May 1 of 2023 and then think about future years.
0: All right. Well, I think it's time we get out of the way. Always do too much banter here at the opening, but let's get right here to our guests. So here's our conversation with our two guests from College Vine, Vinay Baskara, and co-founder and chief strategy officer, and Jonathan Weiner, vice president and dean of admissions at Cleveland State. As always, we hope you enjoy these interviews and we'll see you on the other side. It's Weiner. Well, Teach, I'm really excited to welcome our first guest to this special episode about College Vine. Vinay Biskara is the co founder and chief strategy officer at College Vine. Vinay, welcome to the lunch guest. Yeah, thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Teach, for, for having me on. Before we jump into the questions here, we're really excited to have you, but can you give our listeners just a little bit of your background and, and how you got to your position and how you got to College Vine and founded College Vine, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned in in your little preamble there, I'm one of the co-founders here at CollegeVine. And over the past 10 years, we've built a company that helps more than 1.5 million student members uh, find their dream college um, and helps more than 350 colleges enroll their incoming class of students. Um, Since founding CollegeVine, at this point, it's it's a decade now, uh, I've personally counseled more than 500 families through the college admissions process. Um, And then on the higher ed side, um, I oversee College Vine's data science and research practices. um, And I routinely, you know, our team routinely produces insights that help higher ed professionals evolve and thrive. So that's really the goal of what we're doing here.
0: I appreciate you helping us out. And we certainly appreciate that mission. It's a great one. Well, I think we should just cut right to the chase here, and we've been talking about this for offline for a while, but for the benefit of our listeners, what's about ready to happen to all of us and why?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the easiest way to explain it is that you know, in the in, in higher ed, there's a lot of thinking and a lot of ink spilled uh, about the idea of the demographic cliff coming up in a couple of years, but if you're an enrollment leader, if you work in enrollment or admissions, uh, unfortunately, you're also going to need to prepare for another cliff that's actually right around the corner. Um, and that's what we're calling the search cliff. Um, so let me let me go ahead and explain because that, that term is going to mean nothing to anyone um, until they hear <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> um, so the background here, right, is that there are some huge changes coming to uh, College Board's student search, which I'm sure you know many of your audience use to um, build their classes and um, enro- enroll their incoming classes. Um, So the background here, right, is that the College Board has to make a bunch of changes to search uh, because of their shift to a digital um, PSAT and SAT and how that intersects with digital privacy laws in many states around the country. Um, What we can definitely dig more into the context of of how that works, um, but the long and short of it is that this is gonna cause a ton of recruiting opportunities to dry up for colleges over the next few years. Um, and And the way to think about that is that By fall 2027, so for the incoming cohort of students that are going to enroll in fall 2027, there's going to be about 40% fewer names available to to license um, in student search. And so colleges are going to really need to rethink their recruiting strategy, right? Um, You're not going to be able to rely on search um, in a couple of years the way you historically have.
2: Uh, Vinay, can I just—I just want to underscore that. Did you say almost forty percent reduction in names available through one of our primary source sources? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, b- base, yeah, exactly. So, um, basically, in the fall for the fall twenty-seven cohort, it's going to be our projections show that there's going to be a, a drop of about thirty-eight percent um, in the available names um, within student search, um, and that's going to build up over time because of the switch to uh, the digital SAT and PSAT.
2: Wow. Um, okay. There's there's a lot to take in there. Uh, are you finding? Are, should we anticipate that there's going to be regional differences by institution, or is this just kind of an across the board thing to prepare for?
1: Yeah. So I, I, there's obviously going to be some substantial differences, uh, you know, on an institution by institution basis and on a uh, region by region basis, score band by score band student demographics. There's a mm-hmm. whole host of changes, places where this is going to be a lot worse, places where this is going to be a little bit better, but still bad. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably worth taking a step back just to make sure that everyone in your audience is aware of exactly what's happening here, right? Um, so so the SCT and PSAT are going digital. Pretty much everyone um, knows, has, has heard about that at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And The reason that's so impactful to student search is that because of data privacy laws that are on the books in a lot of states, for example, California's SOPIPA law, any student who takes a school day um, SAT or the PSAT, which is administered through school districts, they're no longer gonna be able to opt into search. So the College Board won't be able to license those names to universities, right? And so when the College Board actually announced a couple of weeks ago, that search is no longer going to include SAT school day or PSAT test takers, it's explicitly because of these privacy laws that are on the books in more than 40 um, states at this point. Wow. Yeah. And so, and so to the point that you made earlier, right, there's going to be a really, really big drop um, as you get out a couple of years into the fall 2027 cohort, but it's going to actually build up over time, right? Because, you know, if you look at the fall 24 cohort, mm-hmm. All of those students have taken the PSAT that are going to take the PSAT, right? The majority of them have already taken the digital SAT or will, or sorry, the the school day SAT on paper, or will have before you get to spring 2024, which is when the the switch happens, right? So you don't really see any impact in fall 2024. Fall 25, you still have a pretty big group of, you know, sophomores who've taken the PSAT or school day SAT, right? So our projections show about a 12% drop. But then once you get to the fall 26 cohort, those are the students who are currently freshmen, um, or certainly the fall 27 cohort, those are the kids who are currently eighth graders, um, that's where you see this really fall off a cliff, and and that's why we're calling it the search cliff.
2: You know, it it sounds really intimidating for an admissions director, uh, but on the plus side, my son will be in the class of 27, and it sounds like it'll be a buyer's market.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, entirely, it'll be a buyer's right? market for, for
0: kids. <laughs> I'll, I'll um, be in
2: a good position to negotiate financially, but don't, all joking aside, this is this is seems incredibly significant to the work that our listeners are doing right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think you brought up the, the notion of regional differences earlier, and I think that's where this 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 data gets really interesting, right? It's it's one thing to kind of think about what does this mean nationwide, but when you look at specific you know states or specific geographies. That's where this can get really scary, right? So, um, California, I think, is is an example that's going to be particularly terrifying uh, to to a lot of folks in, in enrollment because so many of you, you know, rely on California to fill, you know, out of state um, enrollment numbers, or if you're a private school in, in in the region. So, our projections are showing California instead of being down thirty eight percent, California is going to be down almost fifty five percent. Because if you look at California, oh. what's happened over the last couple of years is that the SAT Students taking the SAT, particularly on a weekend, that's really fallen off because, you know, the C- the Cal State system and the UCs mm-hmm. have all gone test blind, right? So a lot of kids aren't taking the SAT. And the way that the college board has backfilled that um, in, 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 the, in the search pool, right, is by, you know, continuing to rely on the PSAT, right? But mm-hmm. when the PSAT goes away, those students are no longer going to be in search. And so California is, is one of those scary states um, with a 55% drop, if you go down to, you know, to the South or to the Great Plains, some of those states where it's really ACT dominated in terms of the, the final college admissions test. Again, the College Board, to the, I guess to their credit, has done a really good job of um, working with state governments and, and school districts to, to feed in the PSAT as a sort of replacement. But if you go to a place like Arkansas or Kentucky or, you know, states like that, you're looking at an 85 to 90 percent drop in the number of students available through search.
2: Oh, my goodness
0: yeah that's that's kind of scary. <laughs> I'm gonna shift it here just a little bit though Vinay. Um I've heard a little bit about this impact tool, and I want you to tell me more about that because I'm actually really interested in that. Can you tell us what that will do for our listeners and where they can find it?
1: Yeah, absolutely right. So um obviously, you know many institutions rely on college board student search to to really feed or or make up a big portion of their incoming classes. Um, And so one of the things that we wanted to do um, uh, to to help institutions start to think through this and and plan through this um, is put together a tool that allows you to get a sense of what the impact is going to be for you specifically, right? Um, So as a college, um, as an enrollment leader, you're going to be able to come in um, and get customized projections based on your historic name buying strategy and enrollment funnel to get a sense of just what this impact is going to look like for you based on you know mm. where you buy um, names, the kinds of, of students that, segments that you tend to target in terms of demographics, family income, etc. cetera. Um, and so you're gonna actually go to, to access this tool for free um, if you're an enrollment leader. Um, and, and the way you can do that is uh, you go to go.collegevine.com slash search dash impact dash calculator. And as I say that <laughs> link out loud, um I'm, I'm hoping that we can just stick that that into into the show notes so that people can click on the link directly because I can't imagine anyone will remember that full string uh,
2: of letters there. yes, we'll we'll definitely get it in there. I wrote it down. So um it's it's really, you know, thinking about how an institution is going to operationalize a whatever the final amount is for them, a really significant drop in search volume. Um, oh man, just the the ripple effects of that that happening to them is it, it just feels like it's going to touch every corner of the admissions operation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the operational point is a really good one, because there's the first order effect here, right, which is that, you know, you're going to have fewer names in, in, in your enrollment funnel, at least if you have one set up around sort of search and, and name by. Mm-hmm. But there's all kinds of ripple effects that come off of that, right? So one of the really interesting things to think about is, you know, obviously there's gonna be a big pool of weekend SAT students who are still gonna be able to opt into search um, in the traditional way, right? Because it's it's of their own volition, it's not happening through the school district, so it's mm-hmm. not affected by these digital privacy laws. But think about the timing of that and how that changes, right? So if you've got a kid who is gonna take the PSAT or a school the SAT, but then separately take the, the weekend SAT down the line, right? Today, they're going to end up in search, they're going to start enroll into search when they take the PSAT, you know, as a freshman, as a sophomore, right. early in their junior year. Okay. Now they take, let's say they still take the weekend SAT. So they still end up in search down the line. Mm-hmm. If they're not taking that, that weekend SAT until, you know, the end of their junior year or the summer between junior and senior year, there's a yep. huge change to the timing of when they're going to be in your pool for all your marketing and comms efforts. So the, the operational impact here goes beyond just, hey, we've got to figure out some way to plug this gap. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a lot more complex than that because of how much, I guess, infrastructure is built around this funnel that takes, you know, this big huge pool of names, yeah. somehow manages to select for the, the the cohort of students within that that actually are interested in your institution, and then you know, d- that applies your your marketing and comms funnel against that.
2: You know, when when I think about it too, I, I I've often felt like disruptions that it, they've usually been relatively modest to the market. The largest institutions are able to weather it the best, just based on volume. But this almost strikes me as the really the larger institutions, uh, for whom you know the the old search funnel is still significant towards the end of the line and trickier to replace, right? Like. A, a small institution that the impact calculator may say, you know, searches this percentage of your strategy. Now you're going to find need to replace 15 enrolled students at the end. That's one thing, but a, a an institution enrolling thousands of students a year at the, the impact of this, I don't know where where they're going to find the students.
1: Yeah, I, I think one, I mean, there's a couple of cohorts of, of schools, that I think, are, are, are going to face some risks from this, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, w- one of them is obviously the, the the private school that's maybe not necessarily recruiting in the most selective, um, or or the highest score bands, right? Um, that's going to be one cohort that gets affected because uh, you know disproportionately, if you're recruiting in that 1100 score band, a lot more of your kids are going to be coming from the school day exams versus if you're you know targeting a 1300 or a 1400, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think another cohort that's that's pretty interesting is sort of the, um. The state schools or the the big private schools that do a lot of out of state recruitment, right? So your in state mm-hmm. populations that that's going to be pretty secure because you have usually that name recognition with those students, um, or even you know sports or whatever. But when it comes to your out of state populations, that's where a lot of big publics rely on um, you know search as a as a mm-hmm. way of, of reaching those students and, and getting in front of them, and and that's a group that I'm, I'm I think it needs to start thinking about this because. That sort of population of students is about to get cut again by forty percent or or more if you if you go to like California for example. Well,
2: I've been mean, not just thinking about it, Vinay. Something I'll I'll ask you to kind of bring this into the podcast. Something we talked about offline is just the need to not not be ready to put new strategies in place in twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven, but coming into those class years where the the impact of this change is really going to be most dramatic. To have strategies that have already been tested and in the market for a year or two. Can you expand on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, you know, the, the good and bad news of this, right, is that the, the changes are are really going to be felt a couple of years out, right? Um you're gonna you know you're you're gonna not really feel anything or, or see much of an impact in fall twenty-four. You're gonna see some impact, but it's it's still within that manageable range in fall twenty five. Mm-hmm. 26, fall twenty six, Fall twenty seven. To your point, it, you know that's where the cliff is, right? So the good news is that that gives you a couple of cycles to start experimenting and start testing, right? And and that is a can you figure out places to to you know to to find new lead sources, right? Mm-hmm. That's like one piece of it. Um, another piece of it is can you adjust your your marketing and your comms flows to account for this this timing problem that we just talked about? And the third thing is can you start to think about strategies that don't just rely on Buying hundreds of thousands of names to to squeeze down to a few thousand inquiries that then squeeze down to a few enrollments. Is there a different or a better way um, to mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. um you know to, to build your class that doesn't rely on you, you know, by the way, spamming, you know, half a million kids
2: <laughs> to, to get down to a couple hundred enrollments? Well, and I took that personally about spamming Vinay. That's one of my favorite no, I'm kidding. Uh yeah, it's it's interesting because. The way we outreach to students, right? Like this way in is just so second nature to us. It, it makes those of us in admissions just be comfortable thinking of ourselves as spammers, right? Because it's the way to make the introduction. Um, but coming at it from different angles. And and one of the ways, you know, I've seen college vine work is the way you connect students and colleges is so unique. Um, can, can you talk a little bit about that for maybe some of our listeners who are listening to this trying to think of new ways to to start to carve out uh student pipelines
1: yeah absolutely so our, our model is is a lot different than what you're doing with you know a college board or even someone like the aCT or, or or niche when it comes to um how we connect you with students and how we help you recruit your class right um so what college line is, is we're, we're a professional network right so students are coming in they're building a professional profile and they're coming here with the explicit understanding of like hey this is where I come if I want to get recruited by colleges. Um, and our entire model is built off of this notion of mutual trust and transparency between the colleges and, and the students, right? Um, so mm-hmm. you know, as a student, you're able to control the kinds of colleges that you get connected with. You're able to, um, to have ultimate control over how your data and contact information gets shared. From the institutional side, you're able to you know, build your class at scale still, but do it in a way that is both better for the student and better for you. Because uh, the way our model works is as a, as a school, you're able to come in, you're able to define the kinds of, of students and the kinds of segments that you're looking to recruit. Um, and then you're able to connect with those students at scale. And when we say connect with those students at scale, it's not, we're going to you know, send you a mailing list um, yeah. or an Excel file with a bunch of contact information. <laughs> it's, we're going to send out connection requests to those students on your behalf. The ones that say, yes, hey, I want to hear it from this university. I like the sound of them. I want to get connected and, and, and engage with them. Those Those students, will then get brought into, into your recruitment pool. But you know pretty crucially, those are students who are already at the stage of, of, of being an inquiry or even beyond that, to be honest, right? Because they're raising their hand and they're saying, hey, I actually want to hear more from you. I want to get connected with you. I'm really interested in you. And so it's, it's coming at the recruitment problem from much more of a matching perspective as opposed to a spray and pray marketing perspective.
0: So Vinay, i want to ask you the last question here. Um, that's been really helpful information and I'm kind of reeling still from, for this whole conversation. But um, we were seeing this this whole change is coming from one of our primary sources, right, for search names. So, you know, from the tea leaves that you're watching and, and seeing, do you think we should expect this from the other sources as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think first and foremost, right, even if the other sources um, of, of, of names didn't make any changes, you'd still probably see a performance drop off from those sources, right? And, and the mm-hmm. really thing about that is that the way a lot of schools are going to try and backfill a big hole in their college board pool is say, oh, why don't I go buy names from somewhere else, whether that's ECT, mm-hmm. whether that's niche, whether that's whoever, right? Right. Um now I think that's the wrong decision because just the way that you're thinking hey I'm going to go backfill from these other sources every other enrollment leader that's going to be faced with a drop off in names from college board is going to have the same instinct and all that's going to do is drop the funnel performance from your other name sources um a bunch and and by the way even if you don't buy a ton from college board but you do buy names from these other sources right you're you're also going to see your funnel performance drop for those same reasons um, so I think the, the the answer here is that enrollment leaders are going to really have to evolve their recruitment strategy and think beyond the traditional infrastructure around names and name buys and the whole funnel and sort of infrastructure that's been built around that. Now, the good news, as we talked about, right, is that um, they'll have a couple of cycles to figure it out. But with the pace that we all know higher ed moves at, right, you have to start working on that now. You have to start thinking about that now so that you have a couple of, of cycles to try you know, to test out things, to figure out what works for you um and 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 plan um to mitigate what's what's coming down the pike and oh by the way the act is facing a lot of the same pressures as the college board so they're probably going to go digital as well and then this whole exercise plays out again
0: right right exactly exactly that's you took the words right out of my mouth (laughs) okay well this has been a fascinating if not scary if not um even really scary conversation, Vinay, but I really appreciate your perspective and I'm glad that we are bringing this to our listeners. So if you can believe it, we're here at the end of the interview and I'm going to ask you the same two questions that we ask all our guests. What are you working on next? I'm I'm guessing it has something to do with what we were just discussing. And then how can folks get in touch with you? Should they want to continue the conversation about this particular issue or talk to you about college writing? Of course.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, We're definitely focused on helping uh, both our partners and pretty much any other college that wants to to think about um, the search cliff and and, and strategize against it. Um, We're really focused on on helping um, institutions think through this. Um, More broadly, I'd say we're really working on three big areas for for colleges. Right. The first is um, data tools. Right. What you see here, the search impact calculator is just um, one of many data tools that we have coming down the pike. Um, and the goal is really to give enrollment leaders and admissions teams easier access to even more data and insights about student segments and trends. Um, I can't reveal specifics for anything past the search impact calculator quite yet, uh, but we have some really amazing data tools coming down the pike um, that will help enrollment teams plan around the demographic cliff, uh, plan for the end of affirmative action, plan for the new FAFSA, Mm. um, and of course the search cliff which we've talked about a bunch today. We're also building out our engagement and efficiency tools that make it even easier for colleges to, you know, build modern profiles, connect with students and recruit students in, in a way that really mimics how students use technology today. Um, and also helping enrollment leaders deal with all the challenges that, that sit on your plate, whether that's, um, you know, not having enough team members or not having enough staff. Um, so we're trying to, you know, help, we're, we're working on helping you as enrollment teams, um, uh, you know, do as much as possible with fewer resources and, and and making it easier to integrate college vine into your other systems um and even in, equipping agencies with better tools to help their admissions team clients um so the short answer is we're working on a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> well and so you know how do folks get in touch with you should they want to he- hear more about all those things yeah absolutely so if you want to hear more
1: about that or even if you just want to dig more into what's happening with the search cliff um you can email me at the at collegevine.com that's v i n a y at collegemind.com I'd love to chat about how um you know how you're thinking through this give you more context and insight into um into what's happening with with, with search um, and also help you think through how you can you know start to transform your recruiting efforts and build some resiliency um, with all these changes uh, that are that are coming in higher
0: ed well, thank you, Vinay. We really appreciate you um, giving us this information, giving our listeners a heads up. Mm-hmm. I encourage you, listener, to get in touch with Vinay um, to hear more and hear how College Vine can help you out and what you're doing at your particular institution. But Vinay, thanks so much for joining the Lunchcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me and and, and best of luck to, to all your listeners um, as, they, as they plan for, for the search cliff.
2: Well, Nathan, after that invigorating conversation with Vinay about what's happening and what's coming down the road, uh, I'm really glad to be joined by Jonathan Weiner, the Vice President and Dean of Admission at Cleveland State University, to talk about how co- how colleges could and should be thinking about this and proactively preparing for it. Jonathan, welcome to the Lunchcast. Yeah, Teej Nation, Nathan, thanks uh, so much for having me. No, we we are thrilled to have you. Uh, both Nathan and I were left that conversation with Vinay a little bit like, whoa, this is heavy. There's a lot going on. So let's, let's, let's have a conversation with our listeners about what to do about it. Jonathan, to, to set the stage, can you just give us a little bit of information about your background, your professional journey, how you landed, where you're at, et cetera?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I started my career in enrollment management at my alma mater uh, case Western Reserve University. And I was in a variety of roles there. Actually, when I started, these were in the days when students applied online. Uh, You know, you came in in the morning to a stack of paper on the printers and you had to key it into the mainframe. So that was my Mm -hmm. job when I started in the Division of Enrollment (laughs) Management there. I'm aging myself a little bit. Uh, But I spent about 14 years there, uh, left as Director of Recruitment and Strategic Initiatives. And I moved, believe it or not, across the street uh, to a small independent college of art and design, uh, which is the Cleveland Institute of Art. So I was Dean of Admission and Financial Aid there for four years before uh, moving to my current institution, Cleveland State University. I moved there in January of 2020. So right before uh, COVID. Uh, but I've been really lucky to be at a highly selective top 50 research university, a small independent college, and also a regional public. And uh, they're all right on Euclid Avenue in Cleveland. So I've never had to <laughs> move my family,
2: believe it or not. that That's amazing. That's fantastic. What And that varied perspective goes really well with this conversation we wanted to have with you today. Uh, It seems like we've all got some planning to do, uh, looking ahead to the the search cliff, as Benet called it. As you think about this, what do you think colleges should be doing right now as this change is still two years out? Well, so there you go. Don't panic, right?
3: Um, It's still two years out and and we have a little bit of time. Um, So, uh, uh, you know, I would say start uh, by not panicking, which uh, I know for uh, enrollment officers is going to be hard uh, uh, in the month of April and May uh, to not be panicking, but mm-hmm. but don't panic. Um, you know, the first step is I would start communicating about, you know, what, what College Vine and, and others are now calling the search cliff. I'd start communicating with your president, your provost, your board of trustees about this now, as you probably have been communicating with them about, you know, the demographic cliff, if that's impacting going to impact your enrollment um, definitely get out of get out in front of this change and, and and start communicating even if you don't necessarily have what the answer is yet you want to get the information uh, out in front of the decision makers at your institution the second thing I would say is is start planning um, start looking at, at your data and uh, you know the college board has re- released some projections that you can start to look at but obviously you know the search impact calculator uh, that College Vine has put together uh, you know, I started playing with that a little bit this week and, um, mm-hmm. you know, the results were frightening you know, we were talking about, you know, potentially a, a 10% hit to our inquiry pool. And that really carried through all the way to then our applicant pool, uh, our enrolling class and even 10% in terms of net tuition revenue. So, you know, that's, that's not insignificant. Um, so start, start looking at the data and trying to understand what you think the impact might be. Um, and then, we're going to have to diversify right um uh you know so uh and not like your vanguard or your tia right we're going to have to think about diversifying in terms of uh the the sources that we're getting um you know and the search to kind of keep going with that metaphor like search has been a solid asset class for decades now and we're about mm-hmm. to we're about to enter into like extreme volatility, we you know we have projections of what it's going to look like, but it's not going to be dependable in the way that it's been for many many institutions for so long. Um, so you're going to have to diversify, and you're going to have to make some really specific plans for groups of students where search may have played a larger role in them coming to your college. So I mean, I'm thinking about like you know black students, Hispanic students. We know that those students, uh, it looks like. Uh, this this search cliff may have an outsized impact on those students and you know if you're affirmative for those students right now in your admission process and you may not be able to be moving forward and your inquiry pool is going to dry up um, you're going to have to really think about how you know how you're connecting with those students Um, i'm thinking about for my institution at cleveland state right now uh you know we're about 45% Pell eligible we serve an incredibly diverse demographic uh pool uh, incredibly diverse when it comes to socioeconomic a lot of our students are more likely to take a college board test school day than they are saturday um so you know thinking about how to keep those populations in your applicant pool and how you're going to how you're going to connect with them um, because you know this this mechanism that has been really solid for us for a long time um suddenly it's going to be wildly wildly unpredictable if it's there for you at all
0: so i've been and i appreciate those comments and i listening to you talk i think it's a very similar situation that we have at Loyola, and that i've been worried about for a while even before this news about college vine but that really hits home for me um i've been a big fan of college vine before um the, you know the diversify lead sources up until this point. How do you anticipate leaning on college vine to be part of this particular solution?
3: Yeah, well, um you know, I think college vine has been really forward thinking about the way that uh they're trying to um you know fill a gap for us. Uh, I'm a fan of college vine as well, obviously, you know one of the things that I think um is fantastic about it is you know the connection mechanism that they have and really thinking about you know the student profiles, um helping you find a good match. I mean, I think coming through this, I don't want to say that search is like low low effort because it's not low effort, right? It takes a lot of lift. Um, It's probably a significant portion of your recruiting budget may may or may not go to search. Uh, But in terms of the way that you're like actually interacting with students, it's kind of low effort. College Vine's on the other end of the spectrum, right? Where it's going to be a lot more personalized interaction. Um, you know, you're going to be making a lot more kind of like interactive connections to students. And I think that that's really the direction that we're going to have to go um, in terms of replacing uh, College Board Search uh, as as a source. We're, we're going to have to go back to a little bit more of that um, like direct connection, a little bit more of that like personal personal selling that admission counselors used to do Uh, and and uh, uh, and so you know that's part of the role i think that college vine plays is like our counselors in the admission office at cleveland state right now um, unlike search where right like we like many other institutions we use some big vendors to do our search and it's i'm gonna say like um not generic but you know it's not super personalized we're Mm -hmm. trying to anticipate what a student's questions are college vine really like it's one-on-one connection Right. It's one on, it's on one communications, but it allows that to take place um, you know, on the, on the students' terms. The students signed up for college vine, the student gets to ask questions, the student gets to initiate that. Um, so it really gets to take place on their terms and it facilitates that conversation. You say like well, we still do tons of uh, those kinds of conversations when we have students visiting campus or at a college fair mm-hmm. or at a high school visit or with our CBO. And, but here's a platform that again allows us to have those one-on-one communications where you can really, I think differentiate your institution as well in a way that like even if you're searching a lot of different segments or whatever your search is still broad whereas this can be a lot more specific and a lot more targeted.
2: You know the the folks at CollegeVine not only is the tool so helpful as far as creating that I just every time I talk with them they they just seem to have their finger on the pulse of not only what's happening but what's what's coming down the way. Um, they're, they're just really good, I think, at helping their partners understand like what to prepare for and how they can be partners in that. So I'm glad to hear you say that. One of the things that I think is most important for our listeners to consider is the need to have new inquiry streams tested and underway by the time the change really cascades over the available names, especially in a time when we'll now be, you know, Institutions will need to ask for budget dollars for things on top of what they're currently using, right? If that makes sense, do you agree with that perspective? And and how would you anticipate approaching that work? Yeah, absolutely. You know, at Cleveland State University, um, given the
3: population that we serve, we work largely with juniors and seniors. But if you're an instit- high school juniors and seniors, but if you're an institution that has really you know um, uh, started like picking up your inquiry pool and really developing and driving your inquiry pool as sophomores. Um, the time is now, right. Uh, and, and, you're going to need to start thinking about how to diversify your inquiry sources now, um, uh, rather than kind of waiting, uh, until 2027. You know, the way that I think about it, um, uh, again, uh, it, thinking about budget specifically, there's kind of like an old axiom in marketing that, you know, like 70% of your budget should go to what you would consider like proven, um, You know, proven lead generation, Uh, maybe 20% of your budget should go to what you think is like new, uh, uh, those kinds of things where you have a a pretty high level of confidence that you can be successful with them, Um, uh, but they're they're untested. And then maybe 10% of your budget uh, goes to the things that are like bleeding edge, cutting edge, and could be high risk, high reward, like you don't want to miss out on them. Um, so as I've kind of been discussing this with my president and provost at Cleveland State University, that's been kind of the approach that we've thought about as we know that we're going to have to transition and wean ourselves off of what this inquiry source has been, uh, you know, a significant inquiry source has been for us for a long time. So it's kind of that 70-20-10,
0: which adds up to
3: 100% then, obviously.
0: I really appreciate that. I think that's a good way for our folks to think about it and for our listeners to really understand and how they need to be approaching this for the next couple of years. Um, what else do you think? What I'm gonna give you kind of an open ended question here. <laughs> what else do you what else should admissions directors be thinking about this and any other pieces of advice? Um, because even as I'm listening to you speak, I feel like I'm woefully behind and I'm not on top of this. Um, and so any little piece of advice you can give our listeners, Jonathan, would be wonderful. Well, always, you know, Nathan, give yourself some grace. I think. Um, you know, things are coming out us so
3: fast. But I do really think you know, it's the, when it comes to enrollment management right now, the intersection of a couple major things, right? The demographic cliff that we've been talking about, uh, now the search cliff that we've been talking about. And then obviously, you know, uh, uh, across the Chronicle, just a few weeks ago, some of the challenges around staffing, um, you know, chief enrollment officers, but um, then, uh, you know, Coupa released that information um, recently, uh, looking at what I'll call like, the evaporation of mid-career enrollment professionals. Uh, And so, I think this there's a lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of var- variables that are going on right now when you're thinking about how to how to fit these all together. Um, but I really come back to uh, again kind of those those basic marketing principles about I, I think segmenting and targeting is going to be more important than it has uh, ever been before uh, because, like I said, search represented a really um, like. Again, it was probably a significant portion of your budget, but in terms of the students that you contacted, um, it was it was pretty effective from a cost from a cost standpoint. And, and so, segmenting and targeting is going to be really much much more important. Um, but then the third part of that is always like differentiation, right? So, how are you differentiating your institution? And that's one of the things that I really encourage. You know, work with your chief marketing officer at your institution, uh, you know, work with the folks in your academic side and really think about how how you're differentiating. Um, You know, I I, uh, earlier in the conversation, it was talking about spamming. It's like, wow, i made my career on just spamming students until they came to various different (laughs) institutions. Right. Right. But but that's not going to work for us anymore. And so we're going to have to get back to that differentiation and really making those matches and like kind of coming back to, you know, we talk a lot about fit. Right. In, in admission we talk about fit but in some ways um like the search strategy isn't about fit right <laughs> the search strategy is about flooding uh the market and then we say well we'll get we'll get to fit <laughs> down the road um well i think you have to move that fit a little bit earlier in the process and you're going to really do that through segmenting and, and targeting and then and that differentiation
0: it's scary yeah um, it's because scary because I... <laughs> you're putting uh You're just putting a lot more emphasis and risk associated with fit. And I think that's why we've been able to get away with flooding for so long, if that makes sense. Um, Because it just feels like, well, I'm covering all my bases. I'm just going to keep flooding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so it really kind of puts the, spotlight on the strategy and it puts a spotlight on what the fit is and um something else that's just popping in my head is that you really have to be on the same page with your president provost um, whoever the other leaders are even the board of trustees i suppose about who is the right fit and who are we trying to to go after instead of just flooding the market and seeing who shakes out and then be kind of being able to look at that um kind of in a reverse order and say, Oh, this is who shook out. And this is who, who we're getting. You really have to be more proactive on the front end. So, you know, I think long-term this is, this is a good thing. um, But it really um, is going to put this whole, whole thing on its head um, in more ways than one. Right.
3: Yeah. You really have to, I think you do really have to understand your institutional identity. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think you, and there are a lot of post-secondary ed- educational institutions in the United States. So I think you're going to want to find that space, um, uh, that space where where you, where you can really exist.
0: Been a great conversation. Really appreciate your thoughts. Really appreciate um, you shedding some light on this for our listeners and specifically talking about how College Vine can maybe help solve this problem or at least address it. I'm going to ask you the last two questions that we ask all of our guests. Um, what are you working on next? Um, either more with this, but probably other things that are also on your plate. And then how can folks get in touch with you um, at Cleveland state? Should they want to continue the conversation? Well, it's late April and I'm a Dean of admission. So I'm
3: definitely thinking about, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, what I'm working on next is definitely, uh, you know, thinking about those deposits coming in, but, but more broadly, you know, Cleveland state, you um, we're uh, in the middle of kind of executing our, our five-year strategic plan. Uh, we call it CSU 2.0. And that strategic plan, it calls for, you know, remaking our, and modernizing our curriculum, remaking our campus, and really taking advantage of our uh, location in, in downtown Cleveland. And believe it or not, growing enrollment is part of that plan as well. So, you know, really focusing on um, this, this strategic plan uh, that Cleveland State's kind of in the middle of um, is, is what's up next for me. And and the good news is uh, I talked about differentiation. I think um, that's what the plan is all about, is helping us differentiate as an institution. So uh, that'll be a lot of my work uh, in the coming year.
0: Great. That sounds very ambitious and very familiar. (laughs) (laughs) How can folks get in touch with you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Email is the best way always. Uh, j.d.wayner, W-E-H-N-E-R, at csuohio.edu. And I look forward to hearing from folks.
0: Well, we appreciate your perspective. I wish you all the best this week as we're recording this on the 25th of (laughs) April. Yes. I'm sure you're sending all the positive thoughts out there to our listeners. So yeah, absolutely. Good luck.
3: Good luck to colleagues out there uh, this week. Uh, TJ Nathan, thanks for having
2: me. Yeah, thank you. Well, there we have it, Nathan. Uh, you know, the last few years in admissions have been too steady and stable. I think we've been due for a little bit of a disruption. So <laughs> here we are. The demographic cliff coming at the same time of the search cliff as we're in the shadow of COVID and what I presume will be unpositive news from the Supreme Court about race conscious admissions. You know, we needed a challenge. We needed a challenge. And here it is.
0: You had to throw in the Supreme Court there thing at the end? Wow, yeah, okay. I was nervous and now I'm super nervous. But yes, this is uh the lot to handle this summer and it hasn't been a real like stress free yield season either. So that's the other part that we've really been struggling with. But um I really appreciated the perspective. Um Vinay, of course, is I mean that <laughs> he he was thinking a million miles an hour um, i was having a hard time keeping up with him just listening to it cuz my my brain was going in so many different directions but i'm also familiar with the college vine folks and i know that they are on the cutting edge and in the front lines of this issue and just generally about how you can find better inquiries for your school so um, i always enjoy that conversation and then Jonathan, um, I really felt, and I told him this after we had wrapped, kind of offline after the interview, that I appreciated that he was also thinking about this at a regional public um, and that he he really has taken this on and he is partnering with College Vine to make sure that the next steps are going to be taken. But I think they both admitted, right, Deej, that um, while College Vine is part of the answer, it's not the entire answer.
2: Yeah. you know Yeah. When I think of the the implications of the change, and I, I mentioned in the opening banter, just the I keep seeing ripples and tails of of impacts. One of them is we're going to need to diversify our inquiry stream much differently, and and maybe think differently of the inquiry stream, what it means to be an inquiry, what it means to be an applicant. It's probably been overdue. We we haven't had a, a real significant process disruption um, in our offices, I think, since the onset of CRMs. But uh, this is. A thirty-eight percent reduction, if that projection holds without any other intervening changes, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to come up with something different. The, the status quo just will not hold.
0: So here's the call to action. And we always say um, on the Lunchcast, there's something you could do this afternoon. I think what you should do this afternoon is go call your search consultant. <laughs> Shoot your search consultant an email. If you already haven't um, been part of a webinar, I know some of them have started to do this. But just get in front of them, ask to have a meeting, um, talk about how they're help, going to help you diversify um, the inquiry streams and how they're going to approach this and what they can project um, and so you can get ahead of this Um, because while you're probably this summer going to be focused on purchasing names for your um, application generation campaigns, it'll kick off at the end of August. Those search campaigns are going to be right around the corner, as we all know, and you're going to need to make some plans. So um, go make that call, send that email, um, and then of course, um, get get in touch with these folks from College Vine. I know they would love to um chat with you. I know that they would love to have discussions with you. The one thing that I will prepare you for any discussion with College Vine, block out at least an hour, if not an hour, 15 because there's going to be a lot of creative ideas flowing and they're going to want to help you at the end of the day. So um, I think that's a good way to end it because I know this was a long episode. These were great interviews, but um, as always, I'm Nathan. I'm Tej, and that was the lunch Thanks folks.
2: No, no, no. It was Coldstone in Denver, uh, right by the hotel on Yamden Avenue. And it was ten dollars. Yep. And I was freaked out and I was like, I can't turn in
0: this receipt. You have to do it. I was like, I got it. I got it. We're here for conservatory admissions. We're <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah,
1: those are like the high news use- Teach, I'll take you to ice cream anytime.